cliffcentral.com Welcome to Sipping Tea. Let us sip some tea with Sumi Miraki, who is missing, missing people she loves the most. So today, I'm not renting, I'm not challenging, I am not trying, I'm just remembering. June and July are very tricky times in my life. They're very... This side, bittersweet. Um, I lost my mother in June of um, 2011. I lost my grandmother July of 2012. And exactly a month after, um, you know, uh, remembering my mom's passing the month before, like proper, a full month after uh, that anniversary, my grandmother passed on. Now, everything I am and everything you experience and everything you hear of Dumimurake was shaped by these women. I was raised by women. Um, and I just thought, you know what? Today, that's what I want to talk about. What have they taught me? You know, um, because my grandmother and my mother were so different from each other. My mother was loud. My grandmother was soft-spoken. Um, my mother was very controversial and my, my grandmother was very diplomatic and very, very easy to take in. Um, what they had in common was a sense of humor and a serious, serious belief in, in prayer and just having some kind of spiritual life. They never pushed for me to be Christian or to go to a specific church but they 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 preached the importance of prayer. They were like, even if you go and be Muslim, you must know that you must be going down on your knees and praying. If you're going to go be Hindu, you know, you must know, have a relationship with God, find it, you know, find your center. And, you know, those are the beautiful things that usually when you speak to people and they talk about how they miss their mothers or their fathers or a loved one, they always have these beautiful stories to tell. And I feel like today I want to talk about some of the bullshit as well, man. You know, it's like, yes, honor the the, the dead, but also acknowledge <laughs> that all of us growing up, you know, um, there's so much that we've learned that's good and bad. You know what I mean? Like, for example, um, I used to be scared to tell people my back was sore because they would be like, yeah, you're a child. What do you know about a sore, a sore, a sore, a sore back? What do you know about a sore waist? Because we were taught that that thing is reserved for older people because those are the people who are shagging. It was like back pain and waist pain associated with childbirth and sex. So if you're a child complaining of these things, what are you doing that is causing you to have these things? So by the time I started having sex, I was bracing myself, waiting for back pain. I was like, when is this this signature pain going to come that is going to mark me as a woman who has tasted what needs to be tasted. That's insane. So yeah, I've been thinking about them a lot. Um, and I mean, I know the big thing with my grandmother was funerals, man. And I think a lot of us, uh, especially of the soil will agree that uh, a lot of our grandparents will insist that you have to go to people's funerals. If you don't go to people's funerals, no one's going to come to yours. And I honestly used to be like, but if, if, wait, if they're dead, if I didn't go to the funeral, duh, they're not coming to my funeral. They are dead already. 
Uh, so it was only when I became smarter in life that I realized that actually I, I get it. I get it. I get it. If you support other families, then you show up at their things. They will support you and show up at your things. And then the whole thing with the panty, the big thing with the panty was your panty must always be clean and it mustn't have any holes in it. Because if you collapse in the streets, if you collapse and you're wearing your favorite panty with the 10 holes, it is going, you're just going to die of embarrassment. Which for me begged the question, if I collapse in the street, what is the first thing people are checking for guys? That's, uh, that's all I'm asking. Number one, the fashion in which I'm winning to, I'm falling in order to can show my underwear. Why am I falling in a manner that is going to expose my underpants? Because I'm not wearing a mini skirt is the first thing. The second thing, if I collapse somewhere, are you not supposed to first try CPR before you check my undergarments? Like, and, and we fall for these things. We get scared. I would say a panty with a hole. Immediately I discard this thing. I am not thinking, but wait, get, test the logic of, 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 of what you're doing. So yeah, I wonder what other things, you know, um, people were told. Cause, some of these things I think our parents told us because they really couldn't think of a better reason to make us do these things. So instead of just going, because I say so, or going, I don't know, we've just always done it. They feel they must tell you, yeah, because listen, if you don't, then the boogeyman, you know? Um, I mean, my cousin grew up with my aunt telling her that if she, cause my aunt, my, my cousin had an obsession with being like the top student in maths and my aunt would tell her, Hey, if you don't eat your green beans, because you know what? The way my aunt made green beans, guys. Even you, you wouldn't want... You know, you know, you know, you know the way. Sometimes people make things a certain way and you're like, this is not delectable. So the way she was trapped into having her green beans was because, oh, those green beans are going to help her pass mathematics. Needless to say, she was fucking fantastic at mathematics, but it had nothing to do with the beans, eh? Unless the beans were placebo. Then they're a very powerful placebo. There was a powerful placebo effect. Anyway... So, yeah, I wonder what other things people have had said. If, if you're listening and you have data, <laughs> please, or you have airtime, you can give me a buzz. But if you have data, just send me a message. Tell me what it is that your parents used to tell you to get to do stuff. Um, I know my husband was telling me that he, his parents had told him that the bukokos, koko, you know, the... The, the bottom shelf, ya, ya papa. Hey, how can you explain this thing? Foundation, ya papa. Bukar, um, come on. Hey, what do you, how do you say this to people who are not of the soil? The bottom part of the pap that stays on the pot after you have cooked the pap, which is basically the best tasting part of the pap. I think the only people who are going to understand this concept are black people and Afrikaners. When you've cooked the pap, there's that base and it is so tasty because it's like, it's charred, but not really charred. It's burnt, but it has this flavor. It's really flavorful, right? And so it's one of those things that you'll find people will fight over when it's time to eat. And he was told that if he eats this stuff, his pants are going to split in the ass. Imagine. So this child, and he's like, yeah, he believed it. He was like, yo. I am not going to eat the bottom of this pub because I don't want my bottom exposed to the world. And I thought, you see, this is how our parents who we trust and love then go and uh, get the upper hand because you are gullible. Because I used to love that skin that forms on top of milk when you cook it, right? You know when you boil milk, when you've made your homemade custard that you cook, and then there's that skin on top? My aunts convinced me, my mother included, that if I eat that thing, I am going to have a fat vagina. Like, now, to any other person going, a fat vagina, what? Ha, 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 
Now, as an adult, I'm going, but to me, what was wrong with the idea of having a fat vagina? A. B. What is a fat vagina? What did they really mean? But why did it work? Because all I think all I had to hear was that something is going to happen to my cooch. And that just upset me. I was like, no, I don't want to partake in anything that is going to have any kind of effect on parts of my body that I never mess with unless I absolutely have to because nature has called me. So... Those are some of those those silly things, man. That that <laughs> that <sighs> that I remember from my childhood growing up. Um, so I'm gonna enter this thing very light. This topic of the things our parents have told us that uh, uh, you know have shaped us. But I've I've learned a lot as well, man. Like I, I love how our parents. Our mothers, our aunties, whatever, were able to tell us these little fibs and we fell for them. Things with the tooth fairy and Santa Claus. I don't think modern parents of today are going to get away with it so much. Um, because I have children who question, like, if I tell Bonsu anything, that's my firstborn, my seven-year-old. If I tell him anything, he wants scientific backing. He wants me to explain to him exactly how we're going to get from that point to the next point. For example, I've I've tried the whole have your spinach going to make you stronger. He said, really? I said, yes. He said, how? How? Whereupon I did stop. I tried papaya. I said, you remember papaya? You remember papaya? The, he eats spinach through his thing. And he goes, that's a cartoon. I said, yes, but it makes him stronger. He's like, yeah, but he's not real. I said, okay, Bonsu. But it's based on real life because spinach makes you stronger. He says... <coughs> Oh, and actually, this was when he was six that we had this argument. And he said, but how? I said, okay, because iron, because there's iron in spinach and wada, wada, wada. And then he's like, yeah, but I take my vitamins every day. And then I couldn't argue anymore because I was giving him vitamins. It was true. What broke me was when he said, in any case, when he grows up, he's going to be a superhero. He'll have superpowers. He doesn't need spinach. That is when I said, my, my son, just drop the mic and walk away because you have won this argument. And I think, I think it's not just because today's kids are smarter than we were. It's not that we weren't smart. See, we didn't live in a time where questioning was an option. You see, it was a favor if you asked why and you were given a reason. It was a favor. Because generally, when you were told to do something, your job was to just follow. Otherwise, you would feel a very warm clap on your face, a very nice warm smack to the face to remind you that your parents are not are not your friends. They are not there for dialogue. They are just there for instruction. If they have not asked you to speak, you are not welcome to speak. So I also think maybe it's not so much of a smart thing than the fact that today's children are very audacious. They are very audacious and they will question and we let them. And I like that we let them. I don't think it's a bad thing at all. Because I think some of the F-ups you are seeing today are because we grew up in a time when our parents were not letting us ask these questions. And if we had gotten answers to these questions before now, we'd be living in a much better world, in a much better society. For an example, if you look at this country and we go back to this thing of the things our parents teach us, because these things can't be excuses. I mean, there are so many things that, 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 um, these, that we've heard from our parents and we've picked the things we keep and we've picked the things that we leave. So it means we actually can't blame our parents for who we are when we grow up. We can't say they messed us up because we are picking and choosing what we take and what we leave. You know, 
I mean, I remember one of the things I, I also heard that I never liked from, from hearing from the matriarchs was when they would talk about how if you ever leave a man for cheating, you'll be alone for the rest of your life. And you know, now there are these girls who will allow these things. I mean, really, if it's an open relationship, fine. But if it's something that's making you miserable, but all you're thinking is, hey, sh- but I've been told if I leave, I'll be alone for the rest of my life. But everything else they've told you, you're, you're disregarding. They told you your domestic mustn't clean your underwear, but you're letting your domestic wash your underwear, isn't it? But, oh, there, so there are things you'll ignore and things you'll pick. So you actually cannot blame those people who raised you. But it's funny, this thing with the underwear, because I remember my mother also told me, like, <clears throat> that you you wash your own underwear. You do not, you do not let your domestic wash your underwear for you. Now, she wasn't saying no, because it's disgusting, it's your own underwear, take responsibility for your own hygiene. No, it was around things like witchcraft, like, oh, now she will take your man, especially when you're married. Yo, when you're married, they're like, you wash your own underwear, you wash your husband's underwear. The domestic does not touch these things because next thing you're going to come home after work and find your husband in bed with this woman. And I'm like, how? How? Is she going to wear my underwear and confuse him? Or is she going to take the the my husband's underwear and take it to Dr. So-and-so who does a Medusa on the floor? And then he's going to suddenly find her attractive or she's going to make his pants want her. Like, I'm sorry, some of these things are silly. But you know what I mean? But they make life more tasty because they give you more stuff to question. Um, yeah. So I'm going to check if anyone has sent me any messages. Hey, I haven't been here in so long. Now, you should see me now. You should see me. I'm sitting there and I'm trying to refresh messages to try and see if anybody's saying anything. And what is to me doing? You see, this thing is not an apple. If it was an apple, I would know what I'm doing. So I'm trying to navigate my way around the... Young man, do you know how to... You see now. There's a... What's your name again? It's Nilesh. Nilesh. I'm here with Nilesh. That's how long I've been away. Ne? I arrive. I'm like, oh, where's my Duncan Duncan? Because I can do my show in my sleep with my Duncan. And here's this lovely young... Are you Indian? Indian man, Nilesh. And he's just like friendly helping me there. He's just like, hi, whatevs. I'll just work things for you. How long have you been here? Two weeks now. That's how long, guys, I've been away, hey? I've been away. But not on purpose, not on purpose. It's because I have been, I've been in Ghana. I was in Grahamstown. I'm, tr- I'm struggling to reload. Ish, okay, fine. I'll go on Twitter and check if anyone said anything. But yeah, man, these two women that I'm missing so much are making me want to talk about the things our parents taught us. I mean, if you look at this, 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 this country, how many of us were taught to hate each other just based on color? How many of us questioned that BS? How many of us? But we still can't blame our parents because why? There are things we chose to question and there are things we've just chosen to take as, as, as religious, as, 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 as bond. You understand? So yeah. But what I was saying about my grandmother and my mother essentially is that they, they just made me the woman I am. They made me tenacious, you know? My grandmother, basically raised myself and uh, most of my cousins. Um, she had 11 children because come, there were no TVs guys. There were no TVs. Uh, what else are you going to do? And uh, no electricity either, uh, unless you were uh, in, a, in, a, in a previously advantaged area. So, you know, what else are you going to do? You're going to have babies. Oh, wow. 
Oh, that's from last week. Oh, I'm seeing a lot of love coming from last week, but there's nothing. So there's nothing today. Nobody's listening to me this morning. They're just not interested. Oh, fine. Whatever. Anyway, so while I was away, at least I got love. People are telling me they've got much love and they respect and download my podcast. Anyway, so yeah, man, they... What what I respect the most, I suppose, about my grandmother and my mother is these were single women raising children. These were households run by women. Um, my grandfather passed away in 1976. So from 1976 onwards, my grandmother was raising. <clears throat> by then, I think she'd already lost three children. So she was raising about eight and most of them were adults already working and she was raising their children. And and my grandmother didn't, you know, she she never chased us. I don't remember my grandmother ever chasing me. My grandmother was very, very simple. You get into cack. If she catches you, she's gonna pinch your inner thighs. She didn't. She didn't. She never smacked me. To this day, God rest her soul, my grandmother never smacked me, but she pinched the shit out of me, guys. There is no worse pain than being pitched in your inner thighs. And what is more painful about the kind of corporal punishment we would get at home, ne, is that dare you think now you can fight back. Because isn't it now you get older, you think you're stronger, you can fight these people off. And you are only making it worse. Because now, when you resist, they say, oh, also you're a woman now. Oh, so now you can fight back. And then they bring it on some more. And then it is over for you. Like, you know, in that moment where you're going, Jesus, you can take me now. I'm ready. I'm ready to go and rest in the bosom of your dad. It was that hectic. So I remember that. Just remembering, Hore, hey, 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 hey. If they have grabbed you, they have grabbed you. Take your punishment and walk, Baba. Don't try and resist. You would even run away. My sweet, my the thing that kills me is my grandmother, she got older. Um, when she was in her seventies, um, then you would get into cuck, but you'd immediately run away, right? Now you think she's forgotten, but actually you forget before she forgets. Now you come back into the house, you're in a good mood, and you know, she will spot you there in the corner and say, Oh, to me, my baby, come here. Now you forget, you forget that she saw you doing what you were doing and you ran away. And now you're happy. You go to her because she's calling you so sweetly. As soon as you approach, my friend, ah, she will give it to you. She will give it to you. And my worst was that when you grow up as kids and there's a group of you in the house, only one of you has to mess up for all of you to get a hiding. That used to piss me off. I have a cousin who used to jump off the bed onto the, the, the dressing table and onto the floor. It was a fun thing to do. We all did it. Then this effort decides that he must lose balance because isn't it now he's trying tricks that he shouldn't be trying because we already know this is dangerous. Hits the corner of the dressing table, starts bleeding profusely from his head, has to go to the hospital, gets stitches done. Like this shit is hectic. What happens to the rest of us who were playing? Beat down. Beat down. That day I was like, I wish it was me with a hole in my effing head with freaking stitches in my head because the beat down we got, Baba, you would think we put the hole in that boy's head. Ooh, there's Gareth Cleef. He's pouting, blowing kisses. Look at him. When famous people blow you kisses, you've arrived, bitches. You've arrived. And one thing I was taught in life was that if a white man blows you kisses, watch your back. You must know it's not going to end well. 
Anyway, yeah. So that was my laugh with my grandmother and my mother. So I've covered my grandmother. When I get into my mother, you guys are going to freak the fuck out. My mother, this is what you need to understand. I grew up with my mother, who my grandmother, whose thing was this. Discipline, respect for other people, and especially yourself. And prayer. That was my grandmother. Done. My mother. My mother. My mother was... My mother just thrust me into a whole other thing. As soon as I moved in with my mother, one of the first things my mother said was, Do me, this good good of yours, you must just calm it down a little bit because it's not going to get you very far. People are going to walk all over you. So I used to think, okay. So she's not saying be a bitch, but she's saying just because you are nice does not mean everybody around you is nice. You must just hashtag be prepared. And some people might argue that's a horrible thing for any mother or parent to be teaching their child. But for me, it helped me because you know what? I've been less surprised and less hurt now when people do not return the good that I give them. So I've learned that I can be good to people. I don't have to expect that shit back, you know? And even the way she did the birds and bees with me, because a lot of people will be like, yeah, it was so awkward when my mom and I had to have the birds and bees talk. Guys, for me, it wasn't. Only because I already knew that my mother will never say anything to me the way I would want to hear it in public. So I always knew that I'm just, I'm prepared for whatever's going to come out of her mouth. I remember we were once sitting watching a movie and this is actually in the build-up. I was in my pre-teens. I'd only been living with her for about a year or two. <coughs> and we're watching a movie and this guy calls this woman an infomaniac and she loses it. So I turned to my mom. I'm like, mom, what's an infomaniac? Because I really didn't know what it was. I didn't know why this woman was so pissed off. I'm like, that thing sounds fancy. Whatever, she's just been called. And my mother says, ah, to me, it's a woman who loves sex. Now, please imagine being an 11-year-old who's sitting with your mother who looks you in the eye and says to you, it's a woman who loves sex. Now, your mother is already talking about sex. Now, she's then also giving this sex a whole other context. And I'm just, I blushed. I I remember just turning my head, keeping it on the screen, and I never looked at my mother again. I don't think I said anything to her for the rest of the night. I just freaked out. But what I appreciate was her honesty. Because then what happened is now you go into your teens, you become, you get hair where you get hair, you get boobs or you get boobs, whatever. And I had a hairy back, not like hairy, like, ah, she must, you know, ape woman. But I had hair on my back. And senior guys in my high school used to see that, that hair on my back. On sports days, you know, you're in our swimsuits and whatever. And they'd go, yo, you know, they'd make comments. So one day I asked my mom, I'm like, dude, what's the deal with guys and the hair on me? And she goes, yeah, because it means you are virile. I'm like, what? And yeah, it means you are, you know, oh, sexy. And I was like, I can't. My mom cannot be telling me I'm sexy. But she says, yeah, to me, they're probably thinking it means you are delicious in bed. Now I'm thinking there's delicious in bed. These things exist. There's a delicious that exists in the bed. And then she sat me down one day when I, after I got my first period and she's like, okay, here's the thing, my baby. She says, my baby, you're an attractive young girl. You're developing very quickly. And I don't, I don't like the idea of dirty penises inside you. True story. My mother didn't say, you know, to me in life, you have to make decisions. And again, I'm going to tell you what I appreciate is if, if anyone ever met my mother, they would understand that I, didn't question what she was saying to me because she was being herself. She always spoke to me in her voice. So I never felt like there was anything awkward, strange, or, you know, just um, nothing felt out of place 
with what she was telling me. And she was saying, I love you so much. I don't like, I like the idea of all these men on top of you. And for me, it actually did become quite a filthy idea. That some guy is going to be on top of me, stooping things in me. Anyway, so she says to me, no, I, I, I don't like this idea. I really think if you can get me your matric certificate, she said to me, if you can bring me a matric certificate and you pass with exemption, my baby, you can sleep with as many men as you want after that. She said, please just focus on your studies. Bring me. I'm not saying skajola, jola, but I'm asking you, please easy on the sex because we want you to have this degree before you bring babies home. And she would take me with her to the hospital because she was a nurse. My mother, my mother was a highly decorated nurse. Uh, if someone's going, what do you mean highly decorated nurse? Nurses have epulets. They wear these epulets on their shoulders. And my mother, both my mother's epulets were full of badges. My mother had been a nurse for about 25 years by the time she had passed. And, um, <clears throat> Anyway, she'd worked, worked all over the hospital and this time she was working in the maternity ward and she took me there. She took me there and my mother didn't have to tell me about, uh, you can get pregnant. She knew, I know you can get pregnant from sex. She knew that I understood how condoms work and whatever. Cause I mean, we're learning these things at school, but she took me there to this hospital to see young mothers. I saw young mothers. I saw sick, sick young girls. Who were suffering if, if it's, if it wasn't from full blown AIDS, it was whatever. You know what I mean? But I got to see the pains. I got to see what was also beautiful, but you're thinking, but that's, that's my age mate. I, I wanna, I wanna go dancing tonight, you know? Cause she showed me, yeah, she's cute. Ne? Yeah, it's nice. Ne? But you know, that baby isn't going to watch itself. Eh? She's not going to that bash tomorrow. She's, she's not going to the sixties bash. She's not, she, she can't because she must watch this child. She's not going to the stock fair because this child isn't going to raise itself. And things like that to this day stuck with me because then I got my matric certificate with exemption, which was then my ticket because my mother said at this age to me, you can have sex with as many men as you want. But by then my attitude towards sex was something else. It was, I, my mother's told me it's, it's, um, I'm sexy. My mother has taught me that sex is something you can really enjoy. But my mother's also told me that should anything go wrong, this is what you're giving up. And I think that's the only reason I never had any unwanted pregnancy because I was just like, I am not about that life. And when I had my matric exemption, she reminded me how, look at Vets, eh? You applied, they took you. You didn't apply to anybody else and here they want you. Now you must decide, do you want babies or do you want a degree? When I went to vets, my mother packed condoms in my bags. She packed condoms among all the many other things that she packed. And initially I was very uncomfortable and pissed off because I was going, you cannot now be deciding that I'm doing this thing that you said I shouldn't do. But in truth, I was doing it, you know, and I loved that my mother loved me enough to do that, to go, I, you know how I feel about you doing this. At the same time, I love you, you're my child, I'm going to protect you. So there's so many things that I feel I took away from her. I, I took from her, I mean, in terms of uh, uh, just learning to be honest and learning to show your kids your vulnerabilities, you know, because I don't think my mother knew any other way of speaking to me because she also knew I was a little bit out there. I've always been that 
kid in, in, in the family who will get into cuck for speak for talking back for um for being opinionated and i think she knew she could not bullshit her way around me because of the woman i was growing up to be and she raised me by myself by herself and she'd say to me she'd actually raised me and my younger sister by herself and she'd say to me people have said i will fail at this thing People have had a lot to say about the fact that I'm a divorcee. People have just been waiting to see how far I think I will get with you. And she said to me, my baby, you have made me proud. And I just thought, no, I can't now. We are, you are proud of your little matrix TV gate. Now I'm going to leave it at that and just go and do things. And that's why then I went to vets and I was like, me, I must just slay at this thing. All I need to do is slay. And my mother had my back the whole way through, you know. And it's a pity that, you know, in, in university, my mother had a had a breakdown and it emerged she was bipolar and she wasn't coping and she was moving like through the polar opposites badly. Like honestly, there would be months where no one even knew that my mother was in town and it turned out she's been locked up in a house. She's been so miserable. <coughs> and so the roles had to be reversed by then. But my mother, I think had hardened me enough for me to deal with it. I think if my mother had let me, left me to be this, um, soft, um, you know, um, sheltered princess, I would be a mess right now. I don't think I would have even made it this far in stand up comedy. But my mother was just one of those people who was just like, which means I will beat a dog till it cucks. You know what I mean? And I, I, I've gone through life like that. I've gone through life going, no one is taking anything away from me without my permission. My mother would, if we had to drive late at night, we were driving late at night, Baba. And she had this butcher knife that she kept in the in the driver's door. <laughs> she had this butcher knife. And she was like, trust me, I will not be hijacked. I dare a dog. I dare a dog to try and take my car from me. I'm going to hurt somebody. And I just, that kind of, man, bravado, you know, bravado. I mean, if you, if, if I, if I take it back a little bit to memories of, um, you know, uh, during apartheid as well, my mother was an activist. I mean, she and my dad got arrested, you know, and when she was arrested, she still didn't tell them where my dad was. She was just like, meh, I'll chill here, whatever. If he comes out, he comes out. If he doesn't, he doesn't. And she was very outspoken. She got into cuck for that. And she got fired. I mean, she, after she was arrested for treason, when my dad was arrested for treason, whatever. When she came out, um, they said, no, she couldn't have her job back. My mother proper put on her nurse's uniform, walked to the offices there of the presidency of what was then Buputatswana, and proper went to the Minister of Health and said, listen, bruh, can you just call the hospital and tell them that I'm coming into work tomorrow morning because me, I don't have time for this shit, right? Please, I have a child to feed and a family to run and you're wasting my time. Thanks, bye. Truth, Bob, my mother was at work the very next day, working like nothing had ever happened. And even when she retired, she got her full package like someone who had been working for as long as my mother had been working. And those are the kind of things that just made me feel like I have no excuse to be some coward when I grow up in life. You know, I have no excuse. And yes, there were things that uh, uh, she would say that I would have to as a as a a three-dimensional person not just look at it and go oh it's my mother and take it as as gospel but uh break them down like when my mother said to me to me boars are dogs boars are nothing but fucking dogs and you must just watch out now 
I cannot sit here today and go, yeah, and as a result, today I hate all Africaners. No, I gave it context. I was like, look at my mother. This is a woman who lived her life between Transvaal, uh, Buputatswana, and Free State. She had grown up on a farm in the Free State, and she had been on a farm closer to Transvaal. She had tasted a whole other side to these people that I hadn't experienced. So very much like my father, who had his own violent history with this race of people, I knew my mother had a context for what she was saying. And even in apartheid, when they were activists and they were explaining to me what they were fighting against, that made sense. So for them, I was like, I get you, that's your struggle, not mine. And because of the way, even at home, if... if you know, one of the fights my mother used to have with her sisters would be if they're beefing with someone, but she is not beefing with that person. And then they take it personally because they're like, yeah, but I'm beefing with that person. So automatically that's your beef. And she goes, no, it's your beef. I don't have beef with these people. And I've taken that from my mother where I'm like somebody else's beef. As long as I don't understand it, it cannot be my beef. So, yeah, man. That's why you get this tenacious, loud mouth. I ain't scared of saying nothing to nobody because my mother was like, yeah, but you know what I mean? If, if you don't tell your truth now, what, what, what do you have? What do you have? Okay. I think it's time for me to take a break, play some ads, play some music, drink some water because I'm dying here of this cold. Ah, I miss my mom. The dragon is coming! Grab your swords! I've got you, dragon! You don't scare me! I am the bravest knight of all! Remember when you believed in fairy tales and magic? At Reach for a Dream, we turn dreams into reality for children with life-threatening illnesses. You can help if you buy a Slipper Day sticker for just 10 Rand from any Wimpy or Pick and Pay and wear your slippers on Slipper Day, Friday the 5th of August, to redeem your free Wimpy coffee. Bring children's dreams to life. Visit slipperday.co.za to find out more. Hi, I'm O'Neill. As host of WC on cliffcentral.com and a club DJ across Africa, I'm always on the go. And one of the most important things when I have to travel and have to work long hours is a comfortable stay. Always affordable, particularly for business travel, is a Mercure Hotel. Perfect for business trips in Africa and right here in South Africa where you will find four Mercure Hotels. Midran, Renbeck, Nelspreet and Bedford View. Find out all the information at Mercure.com. Taking care of you wherever your business takes you choice sometimes you have it and sometimes you don't auto trader gives you the choice now you can shop compare and buy new cars watch our expert video reviews and research before you buy auto trader new car the choice is yours yeah so we're sipping tea with Timmy Moronke and her little flu <coughs> In the month where I remember my mother and my grandmother. Now, someone did actually send me a tweet about the one thing they were told as kids that wasn't true. And um, Zikwa Namtinto says, We were told as girls we should not kick puppies because when our periods come, our blood will come down our legs. Yeah. You know, what's what's hectic here is when your periods come... Technically, your blood will come down your legs anyway. Like, it's a fact. 
And it's a fact you shouldn't be kicking puppies. So <laughs> I'm just going, huh? So these parents managed to do a public service announcement and get their children ready for a very natural thing that happens to all women at some point. But it's a very interesting thing around periods as well, because, you know, when I first got my period, um, there was an auntie of mine who found out I, I, I I'd just gotten it. And there was an older guy in the neighborhood who liked me. And um she had got caught word of this and I think she thought I liked him. I just thought he was scary. And she said to me, Huh? I hear you got your period. You must know. Now it means if a boy as much as looks at you can get pregnant. You kiss a boy, you're going to get pregnant. He touches you, you're going to get pregnant. She didn't say anything about sex. So me, I was freaking out that time going, yo, 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 yo. I must not be touched with this thing that is now happening to me. So, yeah, um, some of us have been BSed in life. Anywho. So now I've become this mother who now has her own children who are one day going to say, what did my mother teach me? And I hope I taught, I taught, I taught them good things. I mean, I've been feeling really crappy about how busy I've been and being away. And my seven year old recently said to me, you know, mom, I know that even if you're not there, you're there for us. And that just touched me deep. Deep, deep in my heart. But yes, like I said before, they are very hard to lie to. I, I try not to tell them stories. Um, the only thing, the biggest lie I think I ever told was when I was trying to wean him off. Um, because my firstborn at two years old was still on the boob. Now you must understand a two year old has teeth. And when they bite your nipple, it's like you feel like they've literally chewed it off your body. So what I did is I bought these flesh colored, um, is flesh colored plasters and I put them over my nipples and I said my nipples were gone. And, and, and he would touch them and go, Oh, I just hope I haven't traumatized them for life. You know what I mean? Cause either he's going to be traumatized for life or he's going to have a nipple fetish when he grows up as a man <laughs> and just be into women's nipples because he thinks his mother's nipples disappeared when he was a two year old. But, um, I think that's probably the biggest lie I ever told my child. But, um, yeah, man, I, I, I've just learned, I learned tenacity from my mother. And I, in, in a lot of ways, I also learned tenacity from my grandmother, you know, that, uh, when life gives you lemons, you know, you make lemonade or you make a mojito, just look for the mint and all the other ingredients and, and, and you'll be fine. Um, <clears throat> I must actually decide on a hugger man because we have hugger man every week. On, on this thing. So I'm gonna hug every man out there who is a mama's boy. I'm not talking mama's boy where you have a girlfriend and then every, or a wife and every single decision has to run by your mother first. I'm not talking about that kind of one who needs therapy to be involved and, and needs, no, not the one who needs intervention. I'm talking about the mama's boy who still honors her mom and her grandma, I mean his mom and his grandmom and still, you know, um, treats them like the queens they are. Because they are exactly that. Um, there's actually a video which I've put up on, on Instagram. It's also there on Twitter. Um, of my four-year-old son. <laughs> now, he is there going, yes, queen, yes, with my, with my daughter. And he only ever does that when I'm in the room. Okay. And, he heard myself and Ed Rettini doing that once. Um, cause it's our thing. Cause we do stupid things. I know. And I'm his queen now. He goes, yes, queen. Yes. So I want to honor every man who just treats their moms like the queens they are, you know? Um, 
but I think we also, I, I hope, you know, today, um, that when people, are, if you're finding yourself thinking about your mom or the people who raised you, because honestly, I think being raised by your grandparents is freaking important. It really, there's, I don't know what it is about grandparents that are so different from your parents themselves, but there's, there's, there, there's just certain values that you can only, it feels, get from your grandparents, the way you don't, don't quite get them from your parents. I mean, I look at my firstborn, we went to go and see his, um, his teacher at, at the parent teacher meeting and she was near tears talking about how children like that don't even exist anymore that he is such a polite thoughtful young man and such a pleasure to work with and I can't take credit complete credit for that I'm not saying I haven't been instrumental in any way but a huge huge thing goes to the grandparents I know that it was you know, after he started spending uh, every weekend at their place that I started seeing this difference in him, the difference in how he speaks to people, the difference in how whatever I, I say and I'm shouting at him when I say it or I'm being impatient with him when I say it, that he comes back from his grandparents with them having somehow given it to him differently. Serve, have They serve the lessons we try and teach our children. They seem to serve them in a different way. They seem to to really... To instill it, it's like they go and panel beat it into them somehow. I don't know how. So if, if, if you are blessed enough to still have your parents alive, I really hope you, your children have a relationship with them because for me, that is the most important thing I learned from my mother and my grandmother is, is just the importance of having these people in your life and especially for girl children as well. Because as women, I think, um, we don't talk enough. And I, I know I've said it before and I'll say it a thousand times until we do it enough. We just, there's not enough being said about us as sexual beings. There's not enough said about us and our issues. And it's nice when we're able to sit and actually have those conversations and, you know, teach your daughter now. Don't wait for something to go wrong before you decide you're going to have a, a conversation with them about real life. I mean, when I started having babies, when I'd had my first baby, it was the first time my mom told me about her experiences when she lost a younger brother because um, um, she was going to have a boy and the child was still born. And she spoke to me about it and I asked her about, you know, did you go to therapy? What kind of help did you did you get? And she's like, ah, now nah, I'm a Mutsuana woman, my friend. Me, I just thought, you know, you get over these things, they happen, you just go, you do the rituals that I expected and then you find a way to move on in life. And I thought, you see now, then you grow now, now you've you've had issues you've had these things that you haven't dealt with that came back to bite you and you're dealing with a mental illness that probably isn't helped by the experiences you've had so there are so many lessons that we're learning from the people who've raised us um I'm particularly speaking to our mothers and and grandmothers here that they they don't realize they're teaching us even just through their own experiences you know so yeah man um Tubi Maraka isn't just loud and crazy and out to cause cuck. Um, I am the woman I am because I was raised by women who made me feel like I have some kind of responsibility. My grandmother raised me feeling like I have the responsibility to extend warmth, love, and to be accepting. And my mother taught me that I have an obligation to fight whatever system I find myself in that makes me feel like I shouldn't be there because I should. I belong wherever I want to be. And also made me feel like I don't have to take abuse. You know, I, I don't have to take abuse. Um, so yeah. And the negative stuff, meh. 
there's been good and bad to be taken from that as well, you know. All I'm going to do now is sign off saying, Ish, this child is sick. I'm going to pop some antibiotics and some other strong flu killers. Take care of yourselves this winter. Let's meet back here on Cliff Central, same time, same place, where we shall be sipping tea. Bye-bye.